Holly Rowe has a major announcement, and she does it right here on the podcast. Plus, we talk about the Jazz, and I look at the final possessions against the Magic. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, equal housing lender. So the Magic game, and I went through every single last possession that they had, clutch time, last five minutes. You look at these two teams, very similar in the way that they're constructed, and in similar points of their rebuilds, their lives. Jazz are just in year two. The Orlando Magic probably in a longer-term rebuild. They've been doing it for more time, but very similar. Players, pretty even. Management, I'll take Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck over Jeff Weltman. Money, Florida's tax-free. That matters. People care. Draft, Jazz have more picks. So they're in similar points. So the fact that they played a very close game shouldn't shock anyone. You know the result, the magic win. But as far as how it went, what was the process? So it starts at 107-101, Orlando. First offensive shot for the Jazz. It's a quick Clarkson three. Pull up. Something that he does, he gets about two pull-ups a game. He's shooting 35% on them. He's had a dreadful start to the year shooting the three. No good. Then, Clarkson gets a baseline out of bounds. Offensive rebound for Kelly Olenek. He gets fouled. Taylor Horton Tucker follows that up with a drive and score at the rim. He will feature pretty heavily in this game. And pretty interesting to see him with the finishing group. It's something that didn't happen against the Clippers last week. It was Chris Dunn who finished the game. But as far as the similar lineups, it was still Kelly Olenek at the 5, John Collins at the 4, Jordan Clarkson 2, THT at the 1, and clearly Lowry's going to be out there. Okay, so THT drive and score. Then you have a THT pick and roll with John Collins. It goes out of bounds. Clarkson eventually gets fouled by Jalen Suggs. Free throws. Next time down. Taylor Horton Tucker makes a great decision to find Lowry Markkinen for a flare three. It's wide open. It's in the corner. He misses. Jazz get the offensive rebound. It swings to Taylor. He drives. It's a charge. Suggs draws it. He was waiting for him at the rim. Everything that's good about Taylor in that possession, and also the bad. He giveth, he taketh. He finds Lowry in the corner. Then he uses his instincts to drive, but Suggs is right there, and he draws the charge. Next possession. This is the Clarkson in transition. It goes to a foul review. When they go to the monitors, nothing. He throws it away. Orlando possession. Next one. Taylor Horton Tucker drive, reverse layup blocked. This is tough back-to-back empties when it comes to the final three minutes of the game. After that, Clarkson drives, gets fouled, he goes to the free throw line. The big one is the next one. This is where Lowry makes a two-point game. It's 112-107. He needs to get 
some breathing room between him and Wendell Carter. So he uses THT as an outlet. He knows that he has to give Lowry a reprieve. So he takes almost a hot potato pass, makes it look like he's driving. Wendell still has his eye on THT, is a little disconnected on Lowry, marking in re-spaces, and he hits the triple. That's good offense. The next one is equally as good. JC drives and kicks to John Collins, wide open in the corner. Collins misses the three. Taylor Horton Tucker has two-man game with Lowry at the top. He drives, he kicks to Kelly in the corner, who swings it to Lowry up top, and Markinen makes the three. They're up 113-112. And I think that they made really good decisions throughout. I mean, the final two possessions, Taylor Horton Tucker misses a wide-open three. Jordan Clarkson kicks. THT's available. Just misses the shot. And then the final one is a bad bounce pass by Kelly Olenek to Keontae George. Turnover. But process of the shots they got, the looks, are pretty good. The stretch where Jordan goes in transition, jumps, trying to get a foul, and he doesn't, and then THT follows it up with a reverse layup that's blocked, that's the toughest two possessions in their final five. But ultimately, they followed it up with Lowry three, a John Collins opportunity in the corner. They did everything they needed to get in this game and to claw back. And these are two evenly matched teams. The Clarkson pull-up also probably not the best shot, all things considered. And it's a bad pass that undoes them on that final possession. Ultimately, the biggest takeaway is Orlando had their best player get the most shots. Paolo had four shots in the last five minutes, and he got four free throws. So basically six shots. Lowry had three shots. He made two of them. No free throws. Involving Lowry in the action at the end of the game has to be priority number one. This team looks at late-game situations too much to not have the best player involved in the game. Whether that's him asserting himself, whether that's his teammates finding him because he's not an isolation player, it makes sense that Paolo has the most FGAs at the end of the game. You know how much I love them. But this wasn't a house of horrors. This wasn't Friday night at Freddy's. John Collins had an opportunity for a three. Talon had an opportunity for a three. John's higher priority because it was a corner. Talon came out of desperation. And ultimately, you could look at that last defensive possession, one that Will highlighted, and say they should have done better. But that is what Orlando was doing offensively. They got to the rim. They put pressure on the rim. And they got fouls. The whole game was choppy because of the refs. Yes, understand. I wouldn't say that they get an A grade. But Orlando made them make decisions. They attacked. They didn't have Walker Kessler there deterring them at the end of the game. That's the thing to watch. Kelly Olenek's in there. He doesn't provide as much rim protection as Walker. So if Kelly's closing games, giving you better spacing, that's the trade-off. They didn't execute on the defensive possession. Hear from Will Hardy about what they wanted on that shot by Paolo. 
you know, going forward for us to continue to improve, we've got to get better at our communication and we've got to improve our composure. Um, every NBA game is full of runs. The other team, you know, we expect going into the game that they're going to make a run at some point in the game. And we're going to have three bad possessions in a row and miss a few shots and or have a few turnovers. And that's the way basketball works. And we need to be able to maintain our composure in those moments and sort of get our focus back a little bit quicker than we did uh, in the second quarter. But to the communication piece that I mentioned, you know, the the last basket that Bancaro scored, he catches the ball. There's three players on the left side of the floor and Franz Wagner's in the right corner. Um, and we've got to do a better job of communicating that that ball has to get sent left. There's three people over there and we've got to do a better job as a team communicating to the person guarding the ball, who was John in this case. The ball has to get sent left. Um, you know, Suggs is in the corner and a two or a three beats you at that point. And, you know, we needed to show a little bit more help off of Suggs. Um, you know, these are little things. If Bancaro misses the shot, I'd still feel the same way. And yet they still had the chance to win. So when you tighten the screws, evaluate this one, my takeaway is Lowry needs more shots. That's what I'd look at when they get in this situation again. Because coming up is a big road trip. Minnesota, Chicago, Indiana, Memphis. Toughest one is the first against the Wolves. And because it's the Jazz, I imagine one of those games is going to be close. It's what this team does. Five stars. Nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. I'm going to be on TV tomorrow. So if you want to drop a line, you want me to drop a podcast phrase, I think I might go with perfectionist proclivities. But you could tell me to slip in other words. Hit me up. I'll try to work it in. They're doing this thing called Social Saturday, where it's a takeover by me, Ryan Kisteka, Niall Campbell, all on the pregame show. So if you want to watch KJazz, Jazz Plus, wherever you watch the games, catch us. We're going to have some fun. Holly Rowe is on jazz television pretty often. She's also on ESPN. She's also a Hall of Famer. So you enjoy this conversation. We talk about the guards. We talk about the bigs. This was recorded before Wednesday's game, before Memphis. Not that the Grizzlies are good. But just giving you context on that, because we didn't talk about the Orlando Magic game. That's why I did it in the open. But we hit on everything around this team, the storylines. So enjoy. It's Holly Rowe on Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. I have to admit, it's really weird. Tonight's the first night I'm wearing, I got this special Hall of Fame ring. It says Kurt Gowdy Award winner, and it's got some diamonds and a nice little basketball. So I'm wearing it tonight for the first time, and I feel so special. It's my first, like, game-winning jewelry type of thing. It looks good. I like it. Yeah, it is Hall of Fame worthy. I see it says Roe on the side, too. Yes, yes. Congratulations on the Hall of Fame, as always. Looking at this team, because you're going to have a, a big announcement at the end of this podcast, but I want to look at the team first. It was the guards that was the story in preseason and training camp. And the guards has been the story in the regular season. What have you seen from the guards and the guard play from this team so far? I think that there have been some really good things. I think that there have been some things that aren't so great. And I think the biggest storyline right now is just the lack of consistency. So 
Coming out of training camp, Will Hardy was pretty clear about Jordan Clarkson had the best training camp and was their best guard. Jordan has been struggling. I mean, really, really struggling. He's shooting in the 20s from three, you know, just not Jordan Clarkson-like numbers. So I do think it's noteworthy that Jordan has a great training camp. He comes out as like, hey, we need this guy on the floor. He pairs the best with Lowry Markkinen. It's been a struggle for him, particularly the last two games. So Jordan's Jordan. I I think he'll come out of this. He always does. Um, But I think that's been a surprise to see Jordan Clarkson struggle a little bit. And then just the inconsistency. Talon Horton Tucker has made game-winning plays. Um, He has made smart decisions. He has been good defensively on the ball at times. And then there's been plays where I'm like, oh, you know, that that's something you just can't do. And so I think his his growth as a lead guard or an on-ball guard, and I don't think this team's going to really have a point guard unless they decide to maybe start a true point guard. It's going to be a lead guard and combo guard situation. And Talon has um, been good at times, but not consistent enough, in my opinion. Well, and, and that's been the thing that I've seen from last year to this year. Last year, you had an alpha in that room, Mike Conley. Right. It's clear that this guy is going to be the one that organizes everything, that when you're looking in clutch, he's going to be playing in the clutch. It's been interesting to see how actually in the one clutch game where the Jazz won against the Clippers, it was Chris Dunn who was out there alongside Jordan Clarkson. Chris Dunn also is pairing with Keontae George. When you need a level head, Chris Dunn has been the guy so far that they've leaned in on. Yeah, it's really interesting. I thought that the rotation that ended the game against the Clippers, and it was Kelly Olenek, Lowry Markinen, um, Chris Dunn, John Collins, and Jordan. I, I thought that group played the best we've seen so far this season. Like, there was some real rhythm and chemistry there. I thought they were good enough def- defensively. Chris Dunn is good on the ball, but he has really struggled to shoot. You know, he had gotten good at this little mid-range floater. Um, he's good at going to the rim. None of that's working for him right now. He is really struggling as well to shoot. So I think maybe the biggest storyline is just shooting woes of the guards and their their lack of productivity consistently has kind of been a storyline for the first few games. When that leans to the bigs, Walker Kessler is reliant on the supply from your point guard, right. from your lead guards, and he's been struggling. He got back on on a good bit last game against the Denver Nuggets, but when it comes to the spacing, the driving lanes from the guards, the way that the guards are attacking, it's directly impacting the way that these bigs are working out. And John Collins is just starting to figure out how to play with these new teammates. Yeah, I think that I noticed in the last game particularly a major change is that Larry Markinen is bringing the ball up the court a lot in transition. And so then he doesn't rely then on a guard to get into the action. Lowry can take it and do what he wants and make the decisions. That's really unique for your seven-footer to be bringing the ball up the court sometimes in transition. It's not a ton, but it was enough that I really noticed it. So Lowry can control what he's doing in those moments a little bit more. But the rest of the time, they're really, really dependent on the guards to get them the ball to initiate action. I did notice at shoot-around, there has been a focal point of, I think some of the guards tend to get into the paint and get stuck and dribble too much, and the defense collapses, and then they make a poor decision, and we've had turnovers, missed shots, block shots. I want to say something. I, I'm pretty sure Colin Sexton has had his shot blocked seven times already this year. So the Jazz are working on towing the paint, you know, go into the paint, delve into the paint a little bit, and then move the ball, kick the ball out, get it around the perimeter a little bit more. Um, and I think it's just a matter of the ball can't stick 
with the guard in the paint. It's got to get kicked out. And maybe that's maybe the next evolution that we'll see. I know for sure that's something that they are working on. The best possessions that this team has had are the four, three, four, five pass possessions. It's not the one-on-one game. That's not how this team is designed. That's not the best way that they play. Yeah, I agree with you completely because um, outside of Jordan Clarkson, yeah. like in a typical year for Jordan, he can go one on one with anybody. Like he's like we always joke that he's got more moves than a, a snake in a bag. Um, but he he's struggling with his shot right now, so that impacts his confidence a little bit. But where the Jazz are good is someone drives downhill, they put some pressure on the rim, and if it's not there, an immediate kick out for a corner three, or then it go, comes around, they reverse the ball. You know, Thurl Bailey always calls it the blender, but it's those quick passes around the perimeter that forces the defense to move, right? The whole plot for that is you want guys out of position so you can get an open look. If the ball doesn't ever get reversed, if the ball doesn't move, the defense doesn't move, and that's that's what the Jazz have to improve. Last thing before I let you tease your big announcement. Yay. Lowry Markinen. In a year where he's going to be number one on the scouting report, probably number two on the scouting board. He's not going to uh, surprise anybody this year. Have you seen him taking the mantle of being the number one player on this team and being the number one option? He wants it. I see him want it. He wants to be great. So I go back to a story Lowry told us when he first got here for the Utah Jazz. When he was a little kid, he would go out and do his shooting drills, and he had a diary or a little notebook where he would write down every shot that he made and all the things that he was doing. He is still that little 12-year-old boy that is so persistent and so dedicated to being great that he is tracking everything. I'll give you an example. Against the Denver Nuggets, um, he's, he's had a tough first half. He's 3 for 10 in the first half. He comes out and is absolutely brilliant in the second half. They pull within five. They almost upset the NBA champions on their home court. And that's Lowry having this level of personal pride and this desire to want to be great. I, I just hope people can really get behind him and realize we, we have something very special in Lowry Markinen. And I see it. His desire to be great is exceptional. His skill set is unique. This is a seven-footer that's bringing the ball up the court in transition. There's nothing he can't do, really. There's nothing he can't do. Score at all three levels. Um, at one point last year, Coach um, Hardy told me he was their best perimeter defender. Yeah. So, like, you know, put everything in the hat, and you've got this really unique talent. I'm I'm calling him a unicorn, Larry Lowry uh, Markinen, but uh, I see him want to be great, and I think he is definitely someone that the Jazz can and will build around. And off the court, the biggest thing for him, they've talked about it, leadership. Him taking that mantle, that's the next step for him this year off the court. It's an introvert, somebody that is more to himself. He's got to be the leader. And if, and if it's leading by example, plenty of players have done it that way, and that works for them. No, I have an example for you. So Coach has challenged him to be a better leader, to take more ownership of the team, and Lowry has and wants to. He talked about how his military experience for the Finnish Army this, this summer helped him see how leaders operate in different situations. So I think he's taken away a lot from that experience. But I saw with my own eyes in shoot-around recently the way he leads is really cute, and um, he's sarcastic. Like, if you want to get to know Lowry, like, he made this funny, sarcastic comment to me the other night. He's, he said, do you mind if I sit down for this interview? And I was like, no, 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 that's fine. He's like, plus, you'll look a little taller. You know, like, he's just snarky yeah. and funny. Um, so I relate to him through sarcasm. I get it. He is so vocal in practice. 
you got this, Walker. Go, Kessler. You got this, JC. He is an encourager. He might not be the loudest throughout the whole practice, but when he speaks, it is encouraging words. It is positivity. It is funny. Um, I do think he is evolving as a leader, and it's only going to get better from here. Now, let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. Deontay George. Yes, the hype train. Yes. Um, I'm all aboard it because uh, the guy looks in flashes like he's going to be the type of lead guard that this team needs. He doesn't have the win yet. Probably not the same NBA level of conditioning that he's used to from college last year because he's 19 years old. Go figure. But he looks like he's going to be somebody. He looks like he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, I think that Keontae George will be the starting point guard for the Utah Jazz, not if, but when. And I feel comfortable saying that because he has been seamless when he gets out on the court. Um, You know, Will Hardy said something to me recently that I thought was really interesting. He said he has played with poise and he is being productive without pressing. So, you know, he gets in and you don't ever feel like he's playing out of control or he's playing too fast. It is smooth. It is seamless. I see the effort he's putting defensively. Like maybe the biggest question is, can he withstand defensively right now? I see him trying so hard, moving his feet, hot stove touches on the on the ball, you know, handler trying to make sure he's within arm's length. He's figuring it out at a really fast speed. The, the best part is it's so natural. He's so confident. It just feels seamless for him. One thing I am keeping in mind, when he gets in, it's not always against the starting five of the opponents. So he gets in, gets the second unit, looks really, really good, really, really natural. That's the second unit. So grain of salt, you know, he's going to grow and grow. But um, he's four games into his NBA career, and it's been a total wow factor for me. But I do think it's important for Will Hardy to navigate this with patience, is is put him out there in situations where he can find success and grow his confidence and grow his conditioning to what you're talking about, allow his body to catch up with the speed of the game. Um, Don't throw him in the fire and have him not succeed. I, I do think this measured, slow approach is really smart. I love that he's not afraid. He is unaf- he, the, he said it himself, I belong. He belongs in the NBA. This young man is effortless and easy. And I remember I went out to breakfast. Let's say this was in maybe June or July when Donovan Mitchell got to the Utah Jazz. He hadn't played a game for the Utah Jazz yet. I went out to breakfast with David Locke. And I remember him telling me, man, you should see this kid. He's really impressive. This this Donovan Mitchell kid, you're going to really like him. I think he could be something special look what Donovan Mitchell turned into. And so I kind of, I flash back to that and I see Keontae on the court and I'm like, 
I kind of feel like we're watching the beginning of something really special right now. Um, yes, it's small doses. Yes, it's against the opponent's second unit. But yes, it is wow factor, hype train, all the things you want to say. Like in the game, I've literally been like, Whoa. you know, like out loud reactions yeah. um, to how effortless. And this decision making, I think he's made great decisions. Yeah. He'll drive into the paint, attack the rim and kick it out and kick, you know, kick it to somebody coming into the paint. He's made great decisions already. And so I just, you know, whatever it is, he has it. And I can see it. He wants to catch a body. He wanted to catch a body in preseason yep. with his dunks, his athleticism. He's not afraid. He's he is going, unafraid. He's going against his boyhood hero, Russell Westbrook, and wants to score on him. Right. That's the biggest takeaway that he wants to do for Russ. Yeah, it's it's really cute. You know, he was obsessed with Russell Westbrook, and I think there's some similarities in their game, particularly his speed. The one thing we haven't talked about yet is Keontae's speed. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that's why the Jazz may want to go to him sooner rather than later because I think his speed is game-changing. And especially if they want to run and get out in transition because Will Hardy has said defenses are keying on Lowry Markin and now his life in the half court is going to be much more difficult. So that means the Jazz have to get out and run, get out in transition. And who can attack with this speed and decision-making with Lowry? Keontae's showing me he might be that guy. You have a big announcement. This is the this is a preview, a, a predecessor to something that you will be doing. And the first guest, it's a killer first guest that's going to be coming out later on this very podcast feed. Okay, so big news. Um, we are starting a front office podcast for the Utah Jazz. And of course, we're like racking our brain. What do we call this? What do we call this? So it is going to be front row with the Utah Jazz, um, pun intended, R-O-W-E. <laughs> Our first guest was the boss himself, the top man, yep. uh, Governor Ryan Smith. And what I love about this, when you listen to this podcast, it should be coming out any second, is we really get to know him in a very um, personal, human way. We do talk some jazz business. There is some breaking news in the podcast. He gets into stuff that we didn't previously know. But trust me, we'll get into a lot more after we finished recording. We went for an hour with yep. Ryan. And after we finished recording, I was like, oh, I should ask this, 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 and this. But it's the first of many. We're going to hear from him more. We'll have Danny Ainge as maybe our next guest. We'll have Ashley Smith. We'll have Justin Zanuck. We'll have Will Hardy. It's like the who's who of the Utah Jazz. And they want to have a personal connection with the listener and the fan. And I just think it's cool. They want to be transparent. They want to let you know what they're thinking. And um, I hope that we can bring that to you for the fans. Ryan was a really good interview because... One, his, his life's fa- fascinating, but the way that he did it from he wasn't a great high school student and he still became who he became. So there's hope for everybody. No, I know. Like, so I'm going to drop the hint. I'm going to drop the hint. He did not graduate from high school. He dropped out of high school as a sophomore. Did you? I didn't know that, I know that I... until I started doing the research for the podcast. And, you know, I went home after interviewing Ryan Smith and I told my son his story because it will blow your mind of kind of what he's gone through, some of the things he's gone through in his life to be where he is now. You know, we always refer to him as billionaire owner uh, Ryan Smith. I mean, dude went from Provo to high school dropout to billionaire. Um, And we get into all of it on the podcast. So I think you're going to definitely want to listen. With some Seoul Korea in between, with some Mexico City as well. Like he's a, a world travel traveler and you won't want to miss Holly Rowe with Ryan Smith 
front row. It'll be on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network. It'll be on Jazz Plus if you want to watch it as well. It's all over the place. It is the front row. I'm just trying to keep up with you. You do a phenomenal job on your podcast. And I literally was like, okay, if I can just be as good as JP, I'm trying to work on my podcasting voice. I'm gonna, this. See if you like this one. This will be my new podcast voice. So I'm just trying to be as good as you are. And uh, thanks for all of your help. Well, it's a pleasure to work with you. And it's a pleasure to be working on this project. Holly, the Hall of Famer, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you.